on this episode of Why Watch That. You live in my house and it's time for dinner and I say wash your hands. Don't tell me you're 17. I don't care how old you are. Go wash your hands. I tell Ooh. you that as much as I want in my house. TV critics are some of the worst professionals on the planet. Okay. okay. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Yes. Some Whoa. of the worst. I just can't with Deb. Like, shut up. Okay, I just, look, he's killing killers. I don't have time for it. I don't care. I don't even <laughs> want to hear it. Listeners, you remember me always talking about his dark heart? It oh. sprung up this episode. Morally corrupt. I can't believe you. Okay, so. <laughs> Is this almost like black exploitation without the fun? <laughs> what? Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head to head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch That. Critic? Yes. Critic! What? Have you heard? We just got a buy me a coffee page. Uh (laughs) What's that? Boy, come on. It's a place where listeners can support our work for as little as $5. $5. Pretty much the price of a coffee. I don't drink no coffee. What you talking about? Well, you don't drink anything but water <laughs> and eat raw potatoes. But <laughs> I guess they can buy you a popcorn. How about that? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, everyone, look, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that to support our work or purchase our valuable resources. Yeah, you know what? We just added the TV trackers to help you curate a collection of shows you'll love to watch. So find this and more ways to support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that. So Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. The Why Watch That Talk. Everyone, this is TV talk. Ooh. Oh, you like oh. that? That was nice, wasn't it? This I didn't is, know what was going to come out. You didn't know where we we're going. This is TV <laughs> talk. And we're talking about TV. And specifically talking about some very interesting shows. Some of which are going to sound and be very familiar. Hmm. We've got someone scary coming back. And uh, I don't know if you consider him scary or not, or or if you're just like, you know, he's the lesser of two evils when it comes to some of his work. But we'll talk (laughs) about a new show um, also coming from a very familiar. Now he's just a TV showrunner. I mean, he's just killing it in TV land. And then, you know, we've got some new stuff to talk about and sneak peek. Here's the deal. We just want to let everyone know that it is award season and it's coming at us fast. Movies, film are going to do their thing. And it's really easy to forget that television is still putting out some good stuff. So we're here to talk about what's out there and how you can binge it or how you can watch it. Let's start with epics. What 
When was the last time we've said that? I mean, <laughs> seriously, get shorty. I mean, really, mm-hmm. it's been a while since Epics has tickled our fancy. And, and we'll the see Julian how- Fellows uh, miniseries. The, um, I. <laughs> I, I did watch that. There, what's yes. that line you always talk about? The, <laughs> the father. Schmidt. <laughs> you better pay him. <laughs> you better pay him. You better well, pay you him. know what? You better pay Epics because this is not for free. <laughs> if you've if you're if you've exhausted your free trial, you might want to dip in. Is Condor the mo- the TV show that's going to make you spend that four ninety nine five ninety nine a month? I don't know. It is in its second season. This is the first three episodes that we're going to talk about. I'm not sure if the critic is going to keep watching, but he did some of season one or all of it, I believe. Mm -hmm. And the question then becomes, can this be the show that it once was in season one? Or is it better? It better be better because... In season one, you know, it started off well, and then we have well. Let, let me let me get into what it's about, and I'll talk about that more. So, look, we got this dude. His name is Joe. He's a CIA analyst, played by Max Irons, son of Jeremy Irons. I was gonna I was gonna highlight that, but you you were so on it. Mm-hmm. And they come in and they shoot up his whole unit. He escapes. He is then blamed for these murders. Why? Hmm. Now, his uncle, Bob, played by William Hurt, has been his mentor, got him into the CIA, you know, wants to get him out. Can he do this? There's also this nefarious little runt of a man who works for the CIA. Rule Abbott, played by Bob Balaban. (laughs) Bob (laughs) and Bob Balaban is he good is he bad what is he I don't know he's a CIA guy and then we also had Mira Sorvino's character in the first season and so on and so forth so what a great cast yeah so Joe is running around you know he finds this he has there's this woman he's been on a date with and the a first episode of the first season. And then, you know, he, when he's on the run, he goes back to her and does he hold her hostage? How does that go? There's an assassin after him, you know, uh, Brendan Fraser's involved. So after all of that mess, see what happened is it was too much in the first season of him and, you know, the woman he was dating and it, it didn't work. Like all of that, like tell the story, move it along. So now we're in season two. All of that is done. I'm not going to tell you how. All of that is done. He's no longer wanted. He's traveling around Europe, living from in different places. Um, his one of his like his best friend, um, who is dead now. You you'll see how that happens in season one. His wife is still there. He's friends with you know her and. You know, she has two children, a young son and a teenager son. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he tells her in one of the episodes in the season, I'm 17, mom. Ooh, ooh, you're 17. So what? Well, I, let me tell you something. You live in my house and it's time for dinner and I say, wash your hands. Don't tell me you're 17. I don't care how old you are. Go wash your hands. I tell ooh. you that as much as I want in my house. Somebody just dove deep into the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> so in season two, what happens is there is a potential mole. Oh, dear. Of course. Now, Bob, remember Joe's uncle, works at the CIA still. Joe is out. He's out now. Bob has been cultivating his own mole in the KGB. Mm. Now, something is happening with the Russians. They are sabotaging us. How? You'll find out when you watch the first episode. So, this KGB informant comes to Joe in Hungary and says, hey, I'm working with your uncle. I got information. There's a mole in the CIA. We got to get to the United States. Joe's like, I'm out. I'm done. He's like, no, your uncle told me to come to you in a certain situation. So Joe agrees to bring this man back to the States, but he doesn't want to be in the CIA. Something happens. Mm -hmm. Something happens. Something always happens. And it ain't good. Something happens to this KGB guy and some other people. Mm. And can Joe get down to the bottom of this? Can he find this mole? And what does Bob Balaban's character have to do with it? <laughs> so that's the question. Can they find this mole? What's really going on? What happened to this KGB guy? Who can they trust? And how? Well, the K- I'm saying KGB. They're no longer called that. But how? How will they react? Now, you said that we've seen the first three episodes of this second season so far here in the States, because this is aired outside of this country already. Yeah, yeah. And I've got to say, it's better than season one so far. Okay. They're moving it along more. And the reason is, it's not so much about Joe hiding out and doing this and doing that, because frankly, sorry, Max Irons doesn't have the weight to carry the show. And he certainly doesn't have the dialect. His American dialect, no, no, uh-uh, sorry. <laughs> no, no. So now he, there's more going on around him that's a little better. They're moving along a little better. And again, it's less about him, which is good. So I'm still watching it. I mm-hmm. like what I'm seeing so far. Do I love it? No. But if you like this kind of show, if you can make it through season one, then season two will be better. Well, and here's the thing. It doesn't sound like the type of show for you to go out and get an Epics subscription if you currently don't have one or if you're on hold. So right. you may want to wait around for season, what, three of four of Get Shorty, whatever season it's mm-hmm. coming. And then you can maybe go back and watch some of these other shows that we're talking about. But let's move on to a streaming network that is really taken off here. I mean, they are putting a lot of their weight behind 
these type of shows. And yeah. when I say these type of shows, I mean Taylor Sheridan, one of our favorite, one of our favorite, not just writers. I think he's just a favorite. Visionary is not the right word because he's not doing anything, uh, you mm-hmm. know, Spielberg s. But there's something about his characters yeah. that are just. Mm, it's mm-hmm. interesting. The story's interesting. Whether or not it always pans out, it's still interesting. And we're talking about the new show on Paramount Plus called Mayor of East Town. Or sorry, Mayor of Kingston. <laughs> I was oh, like, you did it. You I, did it. <laughs> I did it. I was on automatic pilot. Mayor of Kingston. Mayor of East Town's a whole other network, whole other situation. But Mayor of Kingston. And this is a new show. Uh, like I said, coming to us from Taylor, Taylor Sheridan. If you don't know who that is, oh my gosh, are you listening to us? He is um, the brainchild behind Yellowstone. If you know that Kevin Costner, that's also um, that airs on Paramount Network. Yeah. Um, he's also behind the Sicario, uh, the couple of Sicarios, along with Hell or High Water, Wind River. I mean, just all of these wonderful. He's an actor turned um, screenwriter, turned director, turned Mm -hmm. showrunner. And Mm. this show particularly has Jeremy Renner. I believe this is his first go at television since his huge, huge fame of being in the Marvel Universe as Hawkeye. Kyle Chandler, who is no stranger to good TV series, well-written material, Friday Night Lights, along with, um, what's that one show I was like, I don't know if I want to run into that guy. Blood something on Netflix. He was on. um, Oh, yes. Um, uh, uh, Bloodline. Bloodline. Um, As well as Diane Weist, who I personally am go goo goo over. She is just. You you don't mess with that actress. Uh, That's why I was going to say. No. Don't mess with that actress. Now, there are two episodes that premiered on Paramount Plus. You have to have a subscription. You cannot go to Paramount Network and watch Mayor of Kingston. You have to be on Paramount Plus to watch it. Got to make that clear. It's not on CBS, on the streaming service. And it's about 10 episodes. And if we know anything about Taylor Sheridan, we know that this family or these group of people, and they they have a specific occupation, they're going to be very, very complicated. Nothing is going to be black and white, easy peasy when it comes to Taylor Sheridan's characters. Oh my goodness. Um, and what is their occupation? So uh, here in, in Kingstown, it is in Michigan. That's where we are, which is a new location really for Taylor. We're not out you know, in Wyoming, that area, Montana, that kind of thing, even though they reference Wyoming in the show. Oh, he can't get away from it. He can't. He can't do it. So we're in Kingstown. In in Kingstown, my friends, here's what's going on. It's a Michigan prison town. There are seven prisons within a 10-mile radius. That's crazy. So everybody there is either in prison or works for the prison in some way. And there's the McCluskey family, very important, because they essentially are fixers and liaison 
They liaise between and among all kinds of people. If you're in prison, you're out, you work for them. Anything that has a potential problem or is a problem, you come to them and they'll try to fix it or to work it out. Now, these are not, these are, they're not um, people, law enforcement. No. These are outside of law. That's right. That's Taylor's world. Exactly. This is not, they are not lawyers. They're not paralegals. They're not social workers. They're not cops. Well, one brother is, but not the two we're talking about. Patrol or um, parole officers, nothing like that. Nothing. No, none of that. They ain't bounty hunters. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nothing. They just, Mm -hmm. they are out of it so that they can be power brokers. So the two brothers of the McCluskeys who do this are played by Jeremy Renner and Kyle Chandler. Mike is Jeremy's character. Mitch is Kyle's character. And Mitch is the mayor of Kingstown. Now, he's not the elected mayor. But he is the one. That's right. So he can go to the Crips dealing drugs and work something out with the, you know, the COs. If something wrong is happening, they got a guy in there causing problems. How can they work this out? What's the negotiation? You know, they got people coming to them going, oh, you know, I have a daughter in prison. She's in trouble. She's in danger. Can you get her out? Can they work it out? They are connected to everyone. And you don't mess with them. You leave them alone. How can they negotiate this? And this is a family business. This is, their father did this work. Ooh, okay. Now, they have a younger brother as well. And he is a cop. So Kyle is his name. He's a cop. He has a wife. You know, he's not in the business. Mama. Miriam, <laughs> played by Diane Weist. What does she think about all of this? Mm. She works in a prison. She teaches history tell you mm. can, I, can I tell y'all something she teaches a better history class than most of us outside of the prison I was like I want to <laughs> be in this history class uh, no you don't <laughs> <laughs> I mean the, you know she works in a women's prison and they're transfixed when she's talking and Diane Weiss her style if you don't know her everybody is not bombastic right she is it's almost quiet thunder Oh my. Quiet thunder. She's telling stories of what they've done to Native Americans in this show, because of course that's one of the themes of Taylor Sheridan. Yes. Oh, it is transfixing. But what does she think about what Mike and Mitch do? Now, Because her husband did it, or her, her baby daddy. It. That's mm-hmm. right, her husband did it. And it ain't safe. She knows this. Okay, when the younger brother is called in to help his older brother, she tells him, be safe. Mm. He's like, come on, my, I mean, what do, you, what do you think this is? She's like, no, it's with your brothers. Oh. Oh. A prisoner, by the way, comes up to her and says, hey, can you, you know, I'm having some trouble. Can you reach out to your sons? You wait for that reaction. I tell you that. Don't mess with her, Polly. Now, in the first episode, 
they are tasked with getting some money. They normally don't do this kind of thing. But they get a cut. Okay, let's do it. As a result, a tragedy occurs. Somebody knows this, that this is going down, and they intercept. Now, whose money is this? Who are they intercepting? Okay. And what will be the repercussions for everybody? Uh-oh. I'm going to tell you, by the end of episode one, when you see what happens, you go, what? <laughs> I can't. Serious, Taylor? And as a result of this, remember the mayor is Mitch, Kyle Chandler's character. But as a result of all this, Mike, played by Jeremy Renner, he's got to make some decisions because his heart isn't in Kingstown. He really doesn't want to do this work. Mm. Now, he's a felon, a former felon, you know, so he's got to do what he's got to do. But he has a dream of going to Wyoming to learn how to, you know, cook, you know, outside. Wait, is this the prequel to Wind River? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, the the joke is Jeremy Werner's is in Wind River. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is he going to stay in Kingstown after this goes down? Or is he going to leave? And if he stays, what will that mean? Now, the critics, and let me be specific, the TV critics haven't been kind to this show. And so I was like, ugh. And Yellowstone has execution issues when I was, I've tried, I tried to really watch that show. It just had so many execution issues. So I was going into the show going, come on, Taylor. Come on, bruh. I love your work. Can we get this together? And I watched these two episodes, Raph and my brother, and we couldn't believe what we were seeing. I was so entertained. I by knew this. you were. I knew you were going. Let there. me tell. Let me now look. TV critics are some of the worst professionals on the planet. Okay. Okay. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Yes. Some Whoa. of the worst. They do not know what they're talking about. I'm not going to get into why. It's a lot of putting the cart before the horse in some of these criticisms. When you have Jeremy Renner, Diane Weist, Kyle Chandler, okay, and you execute, it can't be bad. Plus, the people you don't know, like just a little under five characters, people who have under five lines, everybody. Everybody's casted beautifully. It seems like a real town. When you see the, the the leader of the Crips, that whole thing, it's entertaining and fun and dangerous. Are you kidding me? This is what we watch TV for, to be entertained. Woo. Not to have some sort of inclusive environment, because I noticed what y'all thinking. Like, if they had this as a family of, let's see, let's say a Black family that was doing this, you know, and there was a, a woman who was in charge, you wouldn't have any of these reviews. They're morally bankrupt, these people reviewing. Oh now, my that said, goodness. Oh, 
This mm-hmm. is the opinion of the critic. It sure is. Not it sure is. I, I have had it. I have had it. Because <laughs> they are doing everyone a disservice. You, I, I agree with inclusivity. Do it. But that comes <laughs> second to execution. If you don't execute, I don't care who's in it. Okay. All right. I think morally bankrupt is very strong language, but <laughs> back to Mayor. I have a little of, bit of Lord, Lauren Hill come out of me right I now. I think there was a lot of Lauren coming out. We we are, I'm going to, on behalf, retract some of the heat and focus it back on the show. Oh, you're the ref. <laughs> uh, that's right. Exactly. That's so right. technical. Yes. <laughs> And I don't want to throw you out of this game because I can't review <laughs> these other ones by myself. So back yes, to, back to um, the wonderful experience that you and your brother had with with this new show. You were finally yes. excited by Taylor's TV work. Yes. Because you've been very, a fan. I, yes. How can you not be? It's one of the very best pilots. One of the very best. It is. I told you there's a shocking ending. You'll see the acting I talked about. And here's another thing. This is masculine television. That's what Taylor does. I'm sorry. That's what it is. You do with that what you will. Okay? But I mean, let's be fair. Mm -hmm. One of his biggest hits. Let's just pull it back a little bit. One of his biggest hits and his directorial debut both featured women in leads women in leadership positions. We had Emily Blunt and Sicario, and then you had um, Elizabeth Olsen in Wind River. So, I mean, yes. let's... Masculine, in a sense, he is... It's This is what I, I bet it is. And, and we talk about this a lot with Taylor, and you can tell me if it's wrong. Like, if you like Yellowstone, you're going to like Mayor of East... Or Kingston. If you like, you know, Sicario, you're going to like Hell or High Water. What it is, is he's taking the elements of the old Western. Yes. And he is putting it in modern day time and not just modernizing it like you're saying, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, let's have this person here and, and do this. No, he's saying these are the, the elements of survival. Whenever you are in a very particular environment in which you must survive and you must do whatever it is to survive that's what he does best in my opinion that kind of writing that's right and you are in a prison town hello like sometimes we got to come back to reality now this is what i'll say sicario if you like that check this out gamora oh if you like that check it out i mean just check it out and see for yourself I, I'm with it. And, and look, Jeremy Jeremy Renner's character, Mike, don't play. Don't mess up. Look. <laughs> Let, look. He does what he has to do to survive. Uh, you'll see what that is. Oh, God. Okay. Well, okay. let's move on to someone else who does what he has to do mm. to survive. I mean, I they don't... say, ref, they say, quote from Jeremy's character, we don't break the law. We bend it to keep the peace. Huh. Okay. Moving on to someone else who is very familiar to us. Um, many, many seasons of this on Showtime. Showtime decided to bring it back in a limited series revival for about 10 episodes. We are talking about none other than Dexter. 
new blood. Oh, Ooh. that's a whole other situation. Now, remember, Ooh. Dexter is um, the serial killer we all love to love and hate. Um, he does the dirty work and then, <laughs> then some. Yeah. So he's back. And we've heard, you know, if you read, read the trades, you see that Showtime really wanted to bring him to bring this back to, you know, celebrate this integration, Paramount Plus and, you know, you know, all of the Viacom CBS wonderfulness that's happening. Um, he wanted to bring something familiar back. And let me tell you, Twitter and social media, I didn't realize there was such a Dexter base, a Dexter mm-hmm. fan club. Um, remember when Dexter came out, there really wasn't this social media push behind TV shows. I mean, it was like a, a side portion of it, but they all were excited to have him back. The question is really excited and all, but was it necessary? Do we have mm. new thought? Is there really new blood with Dexter? Mm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, people, a lot of fans were dissatisfied with the ending of Dexter. Yes. You know, I don't really care about endings. That's just me. Um, So, okay, here we go. And it's about 10 years after Dexter ended in the beginning of the show. He's living in a cabin, you know. Of course he is. Yeah, why not? So he's in a cabin, you know, and, you know, like upstate New York or whatever, wherever he is. And, you know, we have this Native American land you have to deal with, you know, indigenous peoples and, you know, all of this stuff. But he is isolated. He's not killing. He has a routine. Okay. Can you remind, sorry, for the, you don't have to tell us all of those things, but it's been Mm -hmm. many, many years So remind us, I I gave a little bit, but just remind us for those who want to start it. Yeah. So Dexter is a serial killer of serial killers or other killers. So he, he has a code. He was a, um, his father gave him this code. His father was a cop, figured out that he had these, you know, he calls it the dark passenger. And helped him come up with the code. So, you know, he could get the dark passenger, you know, feed the dark passenger, but still not, you know, dismantle society. So he has to make sure that this is someone who needs to die. Has and he's to be more than happy to do it. More, oh, he, yeah. And, and there's a way to do it. You know, he was um, a crime scene investigator. So his sister is a cop. A detective. And, you know, we saw that went in Dexter. Now, in New Blood. Am I going to say this? Yes. Because now, if you have not seen Dexter, oh, well. uh, That's what I'll tell you right now. You might want to fast forward. Uh, Yes, let's let's be respectful. Take a second, everybody. Go ahead and fast forward if you're interested in watching Dexter New Blood, but you also want to catch up. Do it now. Yes, because his sister Deb is dead. She died in during Dexter, but she's back in Dexter. New blood. How? Now she found out that he was a serial killer. 
She didn't react well. And to be frank, she's one of the most annoying characters to me in television history. You went on and on about this every time you just can't. <laughs> and it is not Jennifer Carpenter who plays her. I just can't with Deb. Like, shut up. Okay, I just, look, he's killing killers. I don't have time for it. I don't care. I don't even want to hear it. But she's back. And what's her attitude? Okay. Now, Dexter is working in a little shop selling guns and ammo and that kind of stuff. You know, just living, you know, the life. Everybody likes him. He's on a bowling team. Fine. But somebody comes into town. Somebody he doesn't like. And this person Uh-oh. does something he doesn't like. No, oh, no. So does the dark passenger come back? Well, you know it does. I mean, hello. Well, why are we going to talk about new blood if it doesn't? Mm-hmm. Now, there is, of course, the, you know, whole local contingent, the, the sheriff's office and, you know, the cops and all of that. And he's dating one of them. They don't know who he is. His name isn't Dexter here. He's changed it. He's Jim Lindsay. (laughs) But somebody from his past comes looking for Dexter and finds him. Who is this person? Are they a danger? I won't tell you who. You'll find out. Because I've seen the first two episodes. Hmm. Now, because of The Dark Passenger, everybody's on the hunt for this person to kill. Are they going to sniff it out? Because who he killed is a very important son of someone in this town. And the son of Clancy Brown's character. Uh Uh-oh. You get Clancy Brown going, you're in trouble. And that's the guard from Shawshank, everybody. Clancy Brown. Yeah. Among other wonderful roles. So it's a little pickle for Dexter, but we know he's used to this, but he's rusty. Oh. So he's got to, you got to watch out. Maybe he made some mistakes. Now, with all of that said about Dexter New Blood, the first episode of this, it was just nice to watch it. It wasn't too much going on. They were just being, telling a simple story. I like just watching Dexter do this and get upset and then kill the dude. Why not? In episode two, it starts getting a little more complicated. And Dexter, to me, has always been uneven. I like certain seasons more than others. I think season two of Dexter is like amazing television. Amazing television. But like season one and three, it was like the even seasons I liked, the odds I didn't, it was, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I didn't dislike episode two. I'm still interested. I want to see where it's going. I just want them to remember. You've got to keep moving forward and not get lost in setting up relationships. Let's be very careful here. Get that dark passenger going. Well, you know, that is a very dark thing to say. You've been a little dark. The dark heart has come out. You know, (laughs) listeners, you remember... Me always talking about his dark heart. It sprung oh. up this episode morally corrupt. I can't believe you. Okay, <laughs> so let's move on to a sneak peek because this is something that's coming out this Friday as of taping. It's going to be on Netflix. And you know Netflix, you can just bend your little heart 
um, away. This is the new TV show called Cowboy Bebop. Oh, why watch that sneak peek? And um, this is coming to us with some wonderful actors. We all love John Chu. And Mustafa Shakir is in this. And if you don't know who he is, for me, Luke Cage, season two, he was the bad guy. And boy, that man can move. Um, Really enjoyed him. You know, Elena Satine and... You know, all sorts of people are piping up. You got John Noble coming through. If you don't know John Noble, all I have to say is think tomato and chicken. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) In Return of the King, that man will eat through anything, including the death of his son. So, um, and, and other people are popping through, people that we know and love. Here's the deal. We know that Netflix can get the talent the acting mm-hmm. can they get the writing and the acting and the directing done all at the same time because sometimes every once in a while you get the crown or you get stranger things or you get lost in space or you get you know for some people Bridgerton um, you know other <laughs> See, now I'm getting shady. But, you know, you get those things. You get Emily in Paris. <laughs> you, for some people, you get Emily in Paris. For some people. Mm. Let's just stick with Stranger Things and The Crown and Lost in Space. And, you know, those shows. And, and even if, you know, if you're really into... Squid um, Game. Squid Game. Yeah, if you're into that world. This is, you know, the cast we know. Some of them we know. They're very well-established TV people. But we don't know the creators as well as the directors, as well as the whole mesh of it all. So you've watched, I don't know how many episodes, but all 10 of them were available to you to binge, to us Mm -hmm. rather. Um, Mm -hmm. What is the deal with this? Is this something that we will be binging this Friday? It's a lot colder in many, many places. Is this the new thing to watch on Netflix? Good question. And keep in mind that this is uh, based on an anime TV series that was uh, created in 1998. And when it came to the States, I believe it was on Cartoon Network, um, Adult Swim, and then it got a, you know, a cult following. And, And that is available on Netflix now. So it's only one season of that, 26 episodes. So, um... I'll come back to that later because you know, Ref, did I check that out? I know you did. You know I did. Now, if you think of the title, it'll guide you with the show. The Bebop. This is in the future, okay? You can travel in interstellar fashion. So it's a spaceship. That's the name. It's the Bebop. And that's also a nod to the score. Now, the original uh, animated show, the score was, oh my goodness, people just went goo-goo-gaga over it with this score. So just know that the bebop is a nod to that score that's provided by the same artist who did the score of the anime is doing the score here. Yes, 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 yes. 
So that is Yoko Kano. Just think, think for the score, think Whiplash. Think that movie Whiplash, and there you go. Love the score. Now, the cowboy in the title, that's what they call bounty hunters in this future. So the cowboys are played by John Cho and Mustafa Shakir. Spike and Jet. Ooh. And they ride through the bebop and, you know, they try to get their bounties. Now, it's difficult to earn a lot of money doing this. You know, uh, Jet cooks the food for them and he's like, you know, we got, you know, beef and noodles. Is there really beef? Ugh. Now, there is a third bounty hunter, Faye, played by Daniela Pineda. Does she work with them or does she get in the way? How do they meet her? Now, in the opening sequence, we see how they work and we see the dangers of it as well. And in episodic fashion, they'll have different bounties to conquer. But what's the backstory? Something is haunting Spike. What? Because he has a past. Is his name really Spike? Because there is this criminal kind of syndicate. Oh, the syndicates. The Red Dragon Crime Syndicate. And they're looking for somebody like Spike. Why? So how is all of this going to come to a head? Now, with that said, the opening fight sequence, let's go through this review. I thought to myself in that sequence, is this almost like black exploitation without the fun? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, it seemed cheesy in a cheap sort of way. Not an exciting start for me. And it didn't get much better. Now, the arch villain, that syndicate person, I couldn't take him seriously. There's a lack of musicality to make this pop. I mean, and the score is amazing. The writing just isn't as smooth as it needs to be. Come on. It needs to be like the score and not be so forced. It needs to be cool. The jokes don't land and the more dramatic moments are sluggish. Now, if we go to the anime source material, there's a mishmash of genres here. That's what it's about. You get the Western genre. I mean, Cowboy Hello is in the title. The score, along with the jazz, is in the score as well. There's film noir. There's action sci-fi. But when it comes to the cartoon, that's a singular and laudably cohesive, given all of the genre interplay, version of this and it's grounded the live action version doesn't really make its mark in any way it's limp in execution the least they could have done is cut the episodes in half to match the cartoon's runtime. make it a half an hour mm-hmm. that may have forced them to put a pep in their narrative step now when you watch episode 2 the shortest of the 10 you get a hint of that Should have been more like that. Also, where is the balletic lyricism of the fight sequences from the anime? I mean, the balletic lyricism? You'll see it. I'm telling you. 
Phonetic lyricism. Oh, that's the uh, morally corrupt and balletic <laughs> lyricism. Those are the, 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 the buzzwords for this, this episode. <laughs> so to end it, this is what I would say. Stick with the cartoon if you like anime. There's no comparison outside the title sequence. Well, there you have it. We've got a lot happening with this. We've got some some return of a season. We've got a new sneak peek coming at us from Netflix. We also have a wonderful showrunner's second show on this um, platform that's budgeting. And then also we have a return favorite. Here's the deal. I know it's award season. I know lots of TV, uh, or excuse me, lots of films out there are begging for you to get into the theater now with, you know, um, however safe you feel. But let me tell you something. TV is not slowing down and we're right here to cover it. And we apologize to all TV critics who are not morally corrupt. (laughs) Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.